Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen. I am at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you're all doing well and safe and that the Lord is blessing you. And uh, we have been talking about the healing ministry of Jesus. And yesterday we talked about the Phoenician woman whose daughter was demon possessed and uh, how Jesus set the girl free from demons. And um, anyway, we will continue with the healing ministry of Jesus. And uh, then tomorrow we are going to talk about the keys, some of the keys to the ministry of Jesus. That will be our subject tomorrow. But anyway, before I go any further and talking about the healing ministry of Jesus, let's, uh, let's share another testimony. You remember I shared this with you yesterday, the flag of the Shan State Army and about General Usainau, who was the commander of the Shan State Army, who got healed from deafness and who got saved in uh, one of my crusades in Burma. Well, um, what happened is that in that crusade, there was a lady who had come to the meeting and she had come disguised in a wig and sunglasses and a hat. And this lady happened to be the second most famous popular movie star in Burma, a very pretty lady, famous movie star. And she came disguised because people didn't want to, she didn't want people to recognize her. Anyway, she came to the meeting and God touched her and she didn't have any sickness. She just had things in her life, but she gave her life to Jesus. She was set free and she got saved and it was wonderful because I met her and heard her testimony. And in fact, she had a radical change in her life because the next time I went back to Burma, she had written to me. She said, Pastor, I'll be there at your next uh, pastor seminar, school of ministry that you do, I'll attend. But she wasn't there. So I asked about her. They said, yeah, she's here, but she's actually helping in the kitchen, cooking food for pastors. And it was amazing. Here's a big movie star. And suddenly she just humbled herself and sat in the kitchen and, and cooked for the pastors to eat. And anyway, later on, this lady, uh, well, she left the movie industry because she felt it was inco uh, incompatible for her to be a Christian and be in the film industry. And uh, so she left the film industry and she uh, married an Assemblies of God pastor and she and her husband are pastoring an AG church today in Burma. So wonderful, wonderful testimony. Well, what happened was that this lady had a brother up in the far north of the country uh, in the city of Lashio, which is a couple of hours away from the three, four hours away from the Chinese border. And her husband was a famous doctor who had a private hospital. And she, he was a Christian, a Baptist. So she called him and she told him about the crusade. And she said, you must have Pastor Christopher Alam come and do a crusade in your city. So he contacted us and, uh, and asked us to come. And so we went and we held a crusade in his home church, which was a Baptist church. And they had a huge field, almost as big as a football field, uh, which was like a part of the church compound. So we had a crusade there and we had a wonderful move of God. Thousands of people coming to Jesus, blind people, deaf people, lame people healed. I mean, there were people who saw visions of Jesus. They saw angels. I mean, just, it was just the most amazing thing. And the crusade, uh, after the crusade ended, you know, the news spread far and wide. So people came and uh, from far and they continued to come after the crusade. So, but there was nobody there. We had already gone. So uh, I told my team to go to the villages and the towns and to preach and they preached the gospel. And we planted, I believe we planted two churches out of that. And uh, there was an assembly of God church. We built a 
we bought a la their land for them and we bought, they wanted to buy a piece of land. We paid off their land and we built a building for them and we built an orphanage for them. And we even built a small poultry farm which would provide jobs for people in the church plus uh, take care of the orphans, you know, the income from the poultry farm. So it was all good. But what happened there in that crusade was that uh, there were such huge numbers of people, so we attracted the attention of the intelligence people and the, and the police, the secret police. They came and uh, uh, they were alarmed at the huge numbers of people and people becoming Christians. So they even, they found out who I was, came to my hotel, but the hotel owner was a Christian. He warned me, so I stayed away from them and they couldn't uh, do make a move, you know, do anything in front of the crowds. And so they went to the chief of police and they said on the third day, they said, listen, sir, this guy, uh, we, you know, people are becoming Christians and, and this is not good. We want to stop this guy. We don't know what they said. Why are people becoming Christians? The police chief said, they said, well, blind eyes are opening, lame people are walking. We have never seen anything like this before. So the police chief said, are you saying blind eyes are opening? And they said, yeah. So he said, okay, tonight I'll go there myself. I'll check this out personally. You guys don't have to go. So he came to the meeting with his family. He was dressed in plain clothes, civilian clothes. And that night God healed him. What had happened was that he had an incurable eye disease and he was losing his sight in both eyes. And his eyesight was already down to 50%. And it was irreversible eye disease. He was going blind. And uh, there was no cure for him, but he didn't want to tell anybody and anybody because he would lose his position as the chief of police. So he, he, you know, he just never told anyone and, but God healed him and he was so grateful. He came and he came back to his office and told the police, this man is a man of God. Just leave him alone. Don't bother him. So I had free reign. I would, we just preached and we, you know, as I say, planted a couple of churches, we had miracles. But how do I know this was that he was a patient of this doctor who had invited us into town. This doctor was the one who told us what had happened. So this was a, a wonderful, wonderful story. Uh, and we had great, great fruit in that crusade. And there was one girl in that team, uh, I'm sorry, in that crusade. And um, one night when the service was over, and uh, we were closing down. I said, hold on. And the people are leaving the field. I said, hold on. There's a young girl here. And I gave her age. I said, you're 17 years old, young lady, and you are suicidal. You feel like you uh, are, don't have anything to live for anymore. And you're, you just, and you want to die. And tonight you came to this meeting and you said, you said, God, if you are out there and you love me and you care for me, I want you to Call me out. I want this man personally to call me out. Only then I believe that you will be there, uh, that you are there. And then uh, she came running. She came crying. I found this out afterwards. She said that she had said this to God uh, on her own. She said, God, this is your last chance. Uh, because what had happened, she had suffered childhood depression. She had lived with depression all her life and was suicidal. And she had finally reached the end of her rope and said, said, Jesus, I'm going to the meeting tonight. I, I want this man of God to call me out. Then I know that you are real. Otherwise, I'm going to take my life. So she came and then she said, you have closed the meeting. Then you suddenly stopped. There's a girl here, 17 years old. You are suicidal. You want to die. And you said to the Lord that, Lord, let this man call me out. Then I know who you are real. And she said, you call me out. And anyway, <clears throat> she came 
crying. She got saved. She got delivered. And she joined our team and she was my worship leader. And uh, she served on our team for several years. Wonderful story. That is what my Jesus can do. Hallelujah. We serve a wonderful God. Now, uh, we have talked about healing ministry of Jesus. Uh, many, many miracles. They, one of the last stories I looked at was the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead by Jesus. And there's wonderful, wonderful lessons to be learned from there, how Jesus came and raised up Lazarus. And um, anyway, but um, there are many, many stories. In fact, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31 says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. That means that the, you know, in the Gospels, there are all these wonderful, wonderful miracles. In fact, I, I chose just a few of the miracles of Jesus uh, and, and we talked about them. But there's actually many which I have in my notes that I haven't even gone through because we would be just going through all that and not coming to the other things in this subject. And uh, but it says that there were many, many more miracles which are not even recorded in the Gospels. And he says, verse 31, but these are written these ones that are recorded, they are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And the purpose, he says that there's many, many more miracles that Jesus did other than the ones recorded in the Gospels. But he said, but the ones that are recorded, they are here for you, that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And the next chapter says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose the, even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So really, as I said, uh, we have many, many miracles that are recorded and I've compiled a list of all those miracles, but I went through several, a number of those with you. There are many I didn't go through. Uh, in detail, like the raising up of Lazarus, but many I did go through and we discussed them and the lessons we learned from them. But, uh, but it says that Jesus did many, many more miracles than the ones that are recorded. And uh, someday I wish we could get, you know, when we go to heaven, we'd just like to sit down and read the complete record of what Jesus did. You know, I, want, I, I don't know if that will ever happen, but it would be fascinating. Because if you look at the wonderful, wonderful miracles Jesus did and the miracles he does today, like in our in our crusades, you know, we go to Africa, Asia, other places. We see the same miracles that Jesus did in the Bible. He does them today. So his works continue. His his works continue. The works of Jesus continue today. Amen. And he has not stopped working. He's still working. He still makes the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. He still heals the sick and he cleanses the lepers and he does creative miracles. He raises the dead and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Praise the Lord. Anyway, now uh, here's one thing. There is uh, one thing we can gather from these scriptures that we have studied is that Jesus healed them all. There is not one single scripture where he told anybody that, uh, look, it's not God's will to heal you. You know, sometimes I'm saying this because people have built a theology. Well, sometimes God is not God's will to heal the sick. Well, I'm sorry, that's not anywhere in the Bible. And uh, uh, I know it is part of people's experience. It's part of my experience too. Uh, 
Have I seen um, people who are not healed? Oh, yeah. But I don't base my theology on that. I base my theology only that which the scripture says. I can only preach and believe that which the Bible teaches uh, and not what I have experienced. Because if you talk about your experiences and my experiences, we are imperfect people. We are not God. We are not Jesus. We are imperfect people. And even though uh, our faith is uh, at a much better place than it was five or ten years ago, it, it, we are not 100% like Jesus. And because we are still, we still find ourselves in the process of growth and growing in our faith, growing in our relationship with God. As long as we do that, uh, we will experience that we serve a perfect God. We have a perfect savior. The Holy Ghost is perfect. The word of God is perfect. We preach a perfect gospel, but we are imperfect. We are imperfect people preaching a perfect gospel. And because of that, there will always be a bit of discrepancy be between uh, what we experience and what the Bible teaches. So what do we do then when that happens? Well, do we stop and say, well, sometimes it's not God's will for people to be healed? No, we can't do that because when we say things like that, we are preaching our experience, but we don't preach our experience. We preach how wonderful Jesus is. We preach the word of God because the word of God is perfect. And my analysis of the circumstances I have experienced are not perfect. And uh, what I have experienced and what I've seen and what I think I know are not perfect. Only the word of God is perfect. And so if we look at the word of God, we see that Jesus healed everybody who came to him. And there is not one single scripture where Jesus ever told anybody that it is not God's will to heal you. So let's look at some of the scriptures in Matthew 4, 4 verses 23 to 24. It says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought him unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed by devils and those which were lunatic and those which had the palsy and he healed them. Matthew 8, 16, when evening was come, they brought unto him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all that were sick. So they brought to him many who were sick and demon possessed and with his word, he cast out the devils and he, and he healed all that were sick. Matthew chapter 12, verse 15, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Mark 6 verse 56, wherever he entered into villages, cities or in the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made well. So you see from the scriptures that, that there were great multitudes, huge multitudes and Everybody who touched him was made whole. Luke 440, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. He laid his hands on everybody and healed them. Luke 6, 17 and 19, 
And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. And verse 18, 19 says, and the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. So we see how Jesus, he healed everybody, basically healed everybody. He never turned anyone away saying that it wasn't God's will or it wasn't the time or, or whatever. You know, he never said that. He, he healed them all. And, uh, and the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and for that means even today. His healing power is for all. And Acts 10.38, how God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power, how he went around doing good and in particular curing all or healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Hallelujah. So we see in the ministry of Jesus that Jesus healed everybody who came to him. He never turned anyone away. But now, you know, we come to this question, uh, but why isn't everybody healed? You know, I could counter with a question, why isn't everybody saved? Jesus died for all mankind and he paid the perfect price for each person. He bore all the sins of every human being on this earth, man, woman, and child. Why aren't they all healed? Well, there's different reasons. First reason they're not healed is that many people haven't heard. They can only believe that which they have heard and they cannot, many have not heard because nobody has been sent to them. If people are not sent to preach, people will not hear. And if they don't hear, it doesn't matter. The fact that Jesus died for them, they will not be saved. Then there are those people who hear and still not believe. You know, that then there's people whose minds get in the way. There's, there's a myriad of different reasons why what you can assign to why people are not saved. And it is the same why people are not healed. Uh, some people are not healed. So we should never approach this subject from the viewpoint of whether everybody is healed or not. But we should approach this subject from the other point, the other side. And the other side is, did Jesus bear everybody's sin upon the cross? Did he or didn't he? Did Jesus bear everybody's disease upon the cross? Did he or didn't he? That should be our approach. Our approach shouldn't be from man's experience. Our approach should be from the, the, uh, from, from the viewpoint of Jesus, the price that he paid bearing our sins and our diseases. Did he bear the sins of every human being upon this earth or not? Did he bear the diseases and sicknesses, infirmities of every human being or didn't he? And it says by his stripes, we were healed and there's no exceptions there. And then uh, uh, when Jesus died on the cross, he cried, said it is finished, that the price is totally and fully paid. So we preach a perfect gospel and we have a perfect word. We have a perfect savior. We have a perfect God. And all these things are perfect and the gospel is preached, but people are imperfect and we are imperfect. We are imperfect vessels 
preaching to imperfect people a perfect gospel. And that is why we have to, there's two sides of faith. One is the, uh, the faith that this is what we believe. This is what Jesus has done. This is what belongs to us. This is what we possess and we will give it to the people. But the other side is that we, we always press forward and strive to, to attain that perfection, you know. So, uh, so when I pray for the sick, I look at it. I say, Jesus, I wish there was more of you and less of me. Because if there was more of you, I would see more people healed. You have paid the price for everybody. But sometimes I wish you were the one here and not me. Because if you are here, there wouldn't be one single person in this crusade, in this meeting who wouldn't be healed. But because it is me and I'm the one you have chosen to use. I don't know why. Imperfect as I am, you have chosen to use me. But here I am. And God always uses those who make themselves available to him. And we're going to discuss more of this, uh, this uh, and about, you know, some of these difficult questions people have about sickness and healing and death and all that. But let me share a story with you. Uh, years ago, I was preaching in a small town in Zambia. I don't remember which the name of the town because I preached in so many towns and cities there. And I remember one night there were so many miracles and people were dancing and shouting. And I kind of came on the platform. I was tired. I was standing behind. And a man came up rolling a wheelbarrow, pushing a wheelbarrow. And he saw me. He came to me. He said, Pastor, you see, this is my daughter in this wheelbarrow. She's 10 years old. She was born crippled like this. And I have pushed this wheelbarrow for several miles from my village. And I have brought her to this meeting and I'm going to take her back. I've been coming. This is my fourth night here. Why isn't my daughter being healed? Please tell me. Why is it that all those other people are healed and my daughter isn't healed? I didn't know what to say. I just began to cry. And uh, I said, brother, come back tomorrow and we, we will pray again. So he left. and But I, I began to cry because I didn't have an answer. And my only answer was this. I said to Jesus, I said, Jesus, um, if you had been here at this crusade and you were preaching here and not Christopher Alam, this girl would have been walking home with her father. But the tragedy is that you were not here, but I was here. And there is still too much of me left in me. I thank you that there's more of you today than there was when I first came to you. But I look forward to the day when I stand before you in heaven and I'm going to be like you. But that day hasn't come as yet. And so carrying this imperfect flesh and this imperfect as I am, preaching the gospel, preaching a perfect gospel, rejoicing at the miracles and still seeing these uh, unfulfilled hopes that people have. I said, Jesus, I know you bore this child's disease. I don't have the answers, but all I can say is that I wish there was more of you in me. And I remember the words of Wigglesworth. He says, he says, more of me, less of God. Some of me, some of God. Less of me, more of God. None of me, all of God. I said, I want to reach that place where it is not little of me and more of God, but there's none of me but and all of you. I want to be at the place where I live the crucified life, where I'm crucified and dead and buried to me, to my flesh, but you live in me and you are alive in me. 
And that's a, that's the progression of the Christian life. And that's how we grow in life and ministry as we, we die to the self, we give ourselves more and more of ourselves we let go and we embrace Jesus more and more and it's a lifelong process and during this life doing this lifelong process we shall go through these pains and tears and heartaches and and those things instead of using those things to form a theology of sometimes God doesn't heal the sick those things should spur us on to seek him even more to be even more broken before him and seek him with tears and and in and, and prayers and, and, and be at the feet of Jesus, desiring above all things to be like him. My beloved, that is the key to a powerful healing ministry. And that's what where I want to be in my personal life. And those of you who are listening to me who want to serve God, I pray that you have the same mindset. Never form a theology of the results of our imperfections, but look at our imperfections and let us weep those tears that need to be wept and seek God even more. So I can say like Paul, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the share, fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death so that I can attain a resurrection like him. I'm willing to pay any price. So even dying a painful death like Jesus, if that is what it would cost me, to attain a resurrection like him. Beloved, if we carry the cross, sometimes the cross has to be carried with tears and brokenness. If we carry that cross and we die to the flesh and die to the self and, and we preach the gospel and with passion, with all our hearts, pour our lives out and seek God. And, we, and when we see these tragedies, we just weep and go and seek at the place at the feet of Jesus even more. Beloved, that is we when we can share the resurrection life of our Lord Jesus and we can serve him with power. That is the key to power. Let us, uh, let us, let me pray together. We'll share more tomorrow. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I ask you to touch them and touch their lives and use them mightily for your glory. Father, if there be any sickness in the house, I speak life and health and healing and I curse every sickness and disease and infirmity and I speak life to them in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, be glorified in us and through us in the name of Jesus. Amen.